So this is, I think, my favorite series that we'll do all year. We're just doing it this week and, and next week. If you were, were with us last year, we did it for three or four weeks. But the idea comes from Luke chapter 10, when uh, Jesus, uh, sending out the apostles, uh, says that the fields are white with harvest. Um, he also says that in the Gospel of John. The fields are white with harvest. And so what that means for us today, if you are in the field of oil and gas in your industry, or you are a business leader, or you are a waiter or a waitress, or you are a stay-at-home mom, or you are in your neighborhood, uh, or you are involved in the local school that your kids go to, that the fields are white with harvest, that there are people who are ready to come into the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus said the problem is, is that the workers are few. The harvest is not few, but the workers are few. Most of us have gotten that switched around in our church experience that, oh, there are plenty of workers. Look at this room. I mean, look at all the workers that are available, but the harvest is there. I talk with people. They're not interested. I try to bring up spiritual conversations. I try to buy osmosis, tell them that I went to church uh, the day before and they're just not getting it. But Jesus says, no, we've gotten it wrong. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is with the workers. Well, we don't want that to be a problem here at Bayou City. We want God to be able to uh, look to us first to find willing workers. The idea is that if God is giving out assignments in Houston, Texas, we want one. We do not want him to pass us by. In fact, it'd make my competitive heart happy if he looked here first. Because he knew those are the people that will get the job done. But we have to think differently. We can't just think about my faith as my faith and my work as my work and my home is my home and my family is my family. All of that has to become one thing. You know, Jesus said something similar when he was talking about the work that he has for us in Matthew chapter five. You're welcome to turn in your Bible. Matthew chapter five. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So this is part of our assignment. Jesus lays it out for us. Here are the expectations as we live on planet Earth with uh, citizenship in his kingdom, but also citizenship here in this world. Here's how we are to live. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the world. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are a lamp on a lampstand. We are to let our light shine before men so they may see our good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So the idea is, and you may have seen this on the amazing display as you walked in with all the pictures. Those pictures are of people who are working. They're working in their vocation. They're working here at church. They're working in different ministries around uh, the city. I encourage you to stop by, look at the pictures, and see the description underneath. Using all kinds of gifts, talents, ability, time, experience. It's a beautiful thing. And on there it says... The summary of this idea, we work or we shine, we work 
people see, God saves. We shine, people will see, God is the one who saves. So that's what this series is all about. How do I shine when I'm at work? How do I shine when I'm in my neighborhood? How do I shine when I'm just in the midst of my family? And I thought it would be most effective if you did not hear from somebody who is employed by a religious institution. I, I, I think that uh, somehow I don't get credit uh, for, for the things that we're talking about today. I thought it'd be more effective if you actually heard from some people who are in the lane that you are in, that go to work every day, that stay at home with kids every day. And so I invited my good friends, Jason and Tiffany Melton. Put your hands together and welcome them. They are not uh, strangers uh, to Bayou City. In fact, their names are etched in the foundation of, of this church because they were a part of our original 50, our core team. They were in the room the very first time that we ever said the name Bayou City Fellowship out loud, and they have been with us and alongside of us ever since. They have led in community group. They've served in kids ministry. They've led times of ministry and prayer. Uh, They are amazing, and I wanted you to hear from them. So Jason and Stephanie, welcome. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself so we're all on the same page. We know that we can trust you and listen to you. Uh, Tell us uh, your biography. Where were you born? When were you born? Where'd you go to school? That kind of stuff. I was born in 1982 in Lubbock, Texas, and I was born... Um, born there and raised until the um, ninth grade. And then we moved um, to Abilene, a little town outside of Abilene. And I was born in 1976. My dad was a park ranger, so I grew up in state parks around Texas uh, most of the time in the Abilene State Park near Abilene. And uh, went to, which was a little 2A school there. I didn't know Tiffany at the time. Uh, They moved in afterwards. But uh, then I went off to school in the Northeast and been in Houston since. That's fantastic. And... um Give us a sense of what your childhood was like. Uh, how would you summarize what you guys were like as kids? Great. Uh, so I had a lot of fun as a kid growing up in a state park. I, I went to college with a lot of people with privilege and uh, everything that money could buy, but I had a happier childhood than anybody that I knew. Hmm. And we were, I think I was playing ball just about every day. I was outside. It was either at my friend's house or they were at our house and uh, just enjoyed life. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about my childhood, but I do remember being very cautious, um, much of a rule follower. Um, my mom said I was very much a mother to my younger brother and um, didn't like a lot of drama, so I hung out with boys a lot. Some of them. <laughs> Are you still a cautious rule follower? I, <laughs> um, more so than yes. Because you have to be, because somebody in your home is not going to follow the rules. You have to That's not been my strength. That's not been my strength. You have a lot of strengths, but following rules is not one of them. Uh, that's great. Uh, how'd you guys meet? Do you want to tell the story? Uh, tell your version first, Jason, and then... <laughs> okay. We'll hear we met uh, close to 15 years ago, and uh, my best... Her whole family is from the same little town that I grew up in. My best friend was working for her dad and set us up on a blind date. And uh, within just a few dates, I started having visions of our, what our life would be like together and started planning our wedding, although we never discussed marriage and didn't get engaged for about a year. But um... and I'm, When I was still in high school, he had come back to visit, and he loves his story, so I'm gonna tell it. Um, <laughs> he had come back to visit, and I was in the stands, and I just elbowed my mom, and I said, oh my goodness, I'm gonna marry that guy someday. And then we didn't meet for three years later, 
That's good. Jason waited till she was out of high school, though, before he started to pursue her. Just barely. They say officers of the law are in here. He's fine. That's great. Uh, tell us about your kiddos. Uh, names, ages, kind of what, what are they into right now? Uh, so we have four wonderful kids. I know everybody feels this And they're way, sitting but, in here, which is amazing yeah. that all of your kids are good enough to sit in here. That's awesome. <laughs> we believe we're the most uh, blessed parents in the world. So we have uh, two daughters and two sons. Maddie Kate is our oldest, and she is nine, and she is into uh, anything in the outdoors, theater, and uh, singing as well. Uh, Emery is our seven-year-old, and she just brings such joy and lightness and laughter to everything uh, that she tries. She uh, just a free spirit. James, our five-year-old, he's our peacemaker. He's got such a, an imagination and great attention span and loves Legos. And uh, Jet, Jet's kind of like me. He's uh, wild and crazy and beats, marches to his own drum. And whenever... Tiffany gets mad at Jet. She is really getting mad at me. Yeah. That's the way that works. Uh, how did you guys get into your current professions? Um, so out of high school, I knew that I wanted to be an x-ray tech. So I, there was a school in Abilene, and then there was a school in, at, um, in College Station. And I got into the one at Blinn. And so that was a three-year program. And I trained to be an x-ray tech and then cross-trained into CAT scan. Um, so that's what I did before I had kids, and I've always known that I've wanted to be a stay-at-home mom when we did start a family, and so um, I was excited to do that once. I've always wanted to uh, be an entrepreneur, run my own businesses. I, I started out doing investment banking after college, and then uh, I've been in a variety of businesses. And the, the business that I'm in now is a healthcare technology company I got involved with about three years ago uh, during a, a transition after a business partner mentor of mine had, had passed away. And um, so it, it's, it's just been a blessing. That's cool. Uh, tell us about your spiritual background. Did you grow up with faith? Uh, your family? What, how, how did you come into a connection to Jesus? Uh, I grew up, we like to think of Abilene as the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Uh, there are a lot of churches around there, and everybody goes to church. That's what you do. So I went to church, uh, but didn't really take it seriously. And uh, just had a you know, lived, lived a life of a wild boy in West Texas, um, and went to college with, met interesting, smart people from all sorts of backgrounds, some atheists, some agnostics, some Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, and Jason's Buddhist. being, uh, humble, uh, because that's the kind of guy that he is, but he actually went to college at Princeton, uh, that's where we met, uh, <laughs> so right. rude, that's so rude, the first service that that was funny and this, golly. Hey, you know what? Next week's sermon, 55 minutes. So you don't think I'm smart? That's fine. Curtis was one of our professors. That's you can right. tell by the bald hair. Doogie Housers, what I was. Uh, but uh, the reason I bring that up is... Uh, because I think it's important in the, 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 the story he's telling that, uh, you know, when he says he is around educated people, that's got real teeth to it. Not just like, oh, hey, my buddy's smart and he read a book one time. But he came out of an environment <laughs> that was important. So anyway, yeah. sorry I interrupted. No, no, that's good. Um, I'm offended by all these people. But, <laughs> um, uh, but I got to, I, I didn't go to church one time in college. I got out of college and uh, was traveling around the world working and 
making a lot of money, spending even more of it, and just not really thinking about the Lord. And I certainly didn't take him seriously. Uh, and I, I got to where I believe that there was a creator that it realized it took more faith to believe this all came from nothing than that uh, there was a creative force out there. But I, I didn't necessarily believe that uh, Jesus was the unique son of God and, and really the only way. I thought it worked for me because that's what I grew up with, but that was it. And uh, one time in my mid-20s, I went to church with my sister. She went to college and had the opposite experience, became a, a missionary. And we went to church with her one Easter, and the pastor was doing a sermon on C.S. Lewis's argument, Lord, liar, or lunatic. And he said, whatever you believe about Jesus, you, just, you can't simply believe that he was a great man, a great moral teacher, because he didn't leave that option open to you. And I remember I felt this almost like anger welling up inside me. I thought, what do you mean I can't believe that? That is what I believe. But the more I listened to his argument that he was either the Lord or a liar or a lunatic, it seemed to make a lot of sense. And uh, they were giving away that day copies of Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. And I'd never been a big reader at that point. But I tore through that book in a weekend and realized that I really was living lukewarm and I needed to figure out whether this was true or not. And that set me on a long journey to, uh, to really explore that in depth. Uh, I had a lot of intellectual doubts and stumbling blocks, uh, started trying to read the Bible, and all I saw were things that seemed crazy, someone living in the belly of a well for three days, and all sorts of animals going on a big boat, and you know, it just didn't really make a lot of sense to me, uh, but I started praying, and uh, we started going to church, and met a lot of people who uh, you could see that something was different about their lives, and uh, asked every question I could think of, and, and reading every book I could read, and over the course of about a year, my heart uh, really changed, and the Lord, we started memorizing a lot of scripture and just getting involved, and it's been a, a, a wonderful journey ever since. That's cool. Um, I grew up, was blessed to grow up in a very loving and believing family and going to church, and I came to Christ in the seventh grade at a summer youth camp that I went to every summer, um, and I'm thinking about the most pivotal mark of my walk with the, with the Lord was um, just a a desire to know him more. It was early on in our marriage and just um, wanting more and more of him and um, less of myself and uh, just really asking him to be, for the first time, to be my protector and my savior, savior and redeemer and um, just the lover of my soul instead of placing all that burden on man um, when I saw that he couldn't fulfill all those things for me. So I knew Jesus was the answer. Um, and so I just... Uh, that's where I really turned a corner in my faith and love for, for the Lord. And the Lord just brought incredible people to our lives just out of the sea of Houston people, just handpicked them and put them in front of us. And um, they're in this church today. So I'm super thankful. That's cool. Uh, Tiffany, you're a stay-at-home mom. What's, the, what's your favorite thing about that? And then what are some of the challenges of that as well? I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home I'm so sorry, if, I don't know what that is. Uh, so I, I feel like I am living my dream. I've never wanted anything more or anything less. Um, so that's the best part. I love my kiddos, and they make me a better person and a better mom. Um, there's lots of hard things. Uh, it's exhausting. Uh, and I don't even know how it's so exhausting, but he'll come home sometimes. and be like, what did y'all do today? And I said, well, I don't even know, but I haven't sat down all day or haven't showered and peanut butter and jellies for dinner. <laughs> so, um, and I struggled with loneliness. I went through seasons of being lonely, um, comparison, comparing our lifestyle and our, you know, our toddlers to other toddlers and, um, and really a lot of, of 
being unjoyful. And then I felt bad for being unjoyful and having no joy because I was living my dream and, and my circumstances were not bad. They were so good. My kids are healthy, but I, I kind of operated in this being unjoyful and then being, have, being shameful for being unjoyful and then guilty and just kind of operating in this um, for so long. But uh, the Lord redeemed that. And, you know, I realized that the joy is the, is the unique expression of um, happiness because it's given to us from God and um, not based on our circumstances. So when I decided to abide and just abide in Christ just day by day, it's where I found my joy. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, I think that's helpful because, you know, um, you, you're saying that you are, you're getting to live your dream and that's amazing. Others are like, I'm not getting to live my dream. I'm only doing a job because that's my job and I need a job and this is it and I don't like it. So it's encouraging to hear, as random as this sounds, that even in your dream job, the job alone was not enough. Mm -hmm. There was an abiding that had to happen for there to be joy in your vocation, which opens the door to maybe the rest of us who are like, I'm not yet living my dream job. I haven't been in it long enough, I'm still new, or just that has never been a reality for me, you can still have joy because the abiding is the same, whether your vocation is ideal or it's not ideal. So I, th- I think what you said was, was very helpful. Um, uh, Jason, you've been, and this is me saying this, you wouldn't say this, but uh, you've been successful by, I think, any metric that the world would, would have. Uh, we see the benefits of success. Everyone sees those or just assumes those a lot of times we don't see the challenges that can come along with uh, that success. Tell us about some of those kind of unseen challenges that you have experienced along the way. I think it's easy to get caught up in uh, things outside of the Lord. And uh, I think this is true for everybody, regardless of how much uh, success you've, you've had. There's always somebody who's done more, uh, who's earned more, who's achieved more, who's had a bigger impact and I love to remember something, Pastor, that you had said a couple of years ago in one of your messages. Was it that at Princeton that I was, said that? It was, that's where it was. Yeah, so it was many years ago. But uh, or you said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that is so true. And uh, one of my favorite passages in the scripture is Matthew chapter 13, where it's the, the parable of the sower and the seed. And uh, I think there, you know, there are four types of soil there, and only one of them is good soil. And the first three, the first two, I, I think it's very easy for people that come to church that love the Lord, that are involved, to, to really not feel that that describes them. It's uh, where the, uh, the, you know, the, the enemy robs the, the good word quickly. Well, that's not us most of the time. Or where there's no root and we wither away at the first sign of persecution. We like to think that that's not us. But so often, probably uh, everybody in this room, I know certainly for me, we get caught up in that third, which is, as Jesus said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and, and make it un, unfruitful. And, uh, and that's something that I certainly have struggled with a lot of my life and, and feel like the Lord is reminding me on a daily basis to, uh, to be the good soil and to not let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches uh, choke out the good work that he has for us. That's good. Uh, you, uh, you referenced this uh, a little bit earlier, but you went through a, uh, a, a moment, a transition of uh, job loss. Uh, your friend, mentor, and employer passed away, and, and so his businesses were up in the air, and so that meant you were kind of 
left without vocation. A lot of people are either experiencing that or are worried about that. What are some of the things that you learned coming through that season that might be helpful to, to those who are without jobs right now? Tiffany, you speak into this as well because it's not just a, mm-hmm. it's a, home, it's a family thing. It affects everybody. Um. I would love to say that I handled the change gracefully and, and with joy, but it was, it was a hard time. Um, I, I, ha- I realized I had a lot of security wrapped up in um, not the Lord and in, in his job and with the person that he worked for and with our three-year plan and our five-year plan. And it really brought me, to, um, it, was, it was hard, but it brought me to a point where I really had to trust in the Lord and um, trust in the people around me. I was having a hard time trusting my friends and even trusting my husband um, that he, and trusting the Lord um, that he knew it was best. And so um, it was a hard time it, for me. I, I, I've always had... You're off. Uh, I've, I've, throughout my life, I've, I've been a dreamer. And I, uh, I think the five scariest words that Tiffany can hear me say are, Honey, I've got an idea. And uh, so she did have, a, I didn't do a great job of making her feel secure and stable. And uh, certainly when, uh, when this gentleman passed away and the income was gone, it was uh, a scary time. And I, I think one of the biggest fights we ever got in is, is she was confessing to me that she uh, had never felt safe with me, but it really was in the security of uh, this other gentleman's provision for our family and things, and that was a real hard thing. Um, I took the time during during then. I, I we had about six months. We were blessed to have about six months to figure it out, and uh, I, I had different ideas of, of things to go pursue. Uh, it was an exciting time because the world really was open to me. But I uh, decided that I really wanted to study the Word very closely, read the Bible cover to cover, uh, in a, a condensed time as I could. Uh, so I went to a, a theological library, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, like it was my job, and mm-hmm. just studied the Word and read this Bible right here. I thought it was going to take me two and a half weeks, but it, it took me two and a half months. Uh, but got through that and was really just a, a season of fasting and praying and, and seeing what the God had in store, uh, in store for us and uh, strongly believe that He led us into the, where we are now. And it's been the most blessed uh, couple of years we've ever had since. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I, I'll add to that that... Um, out of that devastation at the moment, um, the Lord used that to just redeem our marriage mm. and to allow us to, to recognize where we had wounds and where we need healing. And it was a, a sweet time of just counseling and um, getting to the bottom of where, why, and where did I not believe. And um, so it's definitely been redeemed, yeah. um, but it was, it was hard. Yeah, that's good. Most of us don't pursue those inner questions until something from outside forces us yeah. to... Uh, last question, uh, when I think about you guys, and this is why I wanted you up here with me, is, is I, and you meet people and they're great at their vocation, and when you have questions about that vocation, you go and talk to them, but you wouldn't go and ask that same person about marital advice or about family, or uh, and then you wouldn't, even people who are good at being dads or moms, necessarily you wouldn't be the ones to go and ask them about spiritual advice, but with the Meltons, uh, they're just always who they are in every arena, uh, whether it's a faith arena, a work arena, a family arena, they're just always the same. And when you really start thinking about how many people you know like that, there are not that many. But then when you think about what kind of person you want to be, you want to be like that. And, and so uh, Jason and Tiffany, how have you guys been 
intentional about that, that we're the same at work and we're the same at home, we're the same at church. It's just, and, and they're all connected. There are not these dividing walls between faith and work and work and faith and faith and family and work and family. How have you guys pulled that off? Well, I don't think that would describe me for my whole life. I, I know when we first started uh, really walking with the Lord and, and becoming close, we, we had our church friends, we had our non-church friends, and, you know, and that was very early in that walk. Um, but Tiffany... Uh, one of the things that I absolutely love about her is she is she has uh, she's allergic to anything that's insincere or fake, uh, and that's people. Sometimes it's jewelry. It's uh, <laughs> you know, anything that's uh, that's not real. <laughs> you, you can't swing by Target on your way home on her birthday, right? <laughs> and. Uh, and what I realized in, in, in walking, uh, she would really hold me accountable in that. And uh, I don't know if it's that we've intentionally tried to be the same in every situation, but we certainly try to n- not be the opposite of that. So uh, we, you know, always want to be quickly reminded and if we're straying out and, and not being the same. Because at the end of the day, we want to, as Tiffany said, abide in the Lord. And there's so much freedom and joy in doing that and just living in his presence uh, every moment of every day. And when, when you do that, you get to live uh, through his power and you have such greater impact. And uh, you may not know what's going to happen from day to day, but if you take that with expectant joy uh, and faith, then it's a wonderful ride. That's so great. Um, so Jason and Tiffany are going to be up here in the front at the end of, uh, of service today. And if you are younger, especially... But even if you're older, but if you're younger and you're listening to Jason talk and you're like, that's what I want to be. I want to be a CEO. That's in my future one day. That's the kind of person I want to do. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be like that. You're listening to Tiffany and you're like, I want to be a woman like that. I want to be a woman who speaks with grace. I want to, maybe you want to be a stay-at-home mom or you don't, but it doesn't matter, but you want to be like that. I'd encourage you to hunt them down, beg them to give you their contact information and offer to buy them a million meals so that you could spend time with, with them, and, and not just specifically them, but people like them, uh, because it doesn't get more authentic, it doesn't get more humble uh, than Jason and Tiffany Melton, and if all of us were a little bit more like them, uh, we'd, we'd all be a little bit better. So why don't you put your hands together and uh, thank them. And I want to finish today by just reading you a, a simple verse in Ephesians. It's a verse that my Bible professor at Princeton showed me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Some of you today are, have a lot to do. You're very busy, but you have very little purpose. At least purpose that you've embraced and, and purpose that you are connecting to all the things that you're doing. You feel no sense of greater purpose as you're parenting. You feel no sense of greater purpose as you're at work as you're waiting tables, as you're teaching class, as you are filling out reports and sending emails, you, you, you feel connected to the job in the sense 
that you're there, but you have not yet connected it with something higher, better, more meaningful. And, and you're, you're bored. And you're bored because you've not taken the best thing about your life, which is your faith in Jesus, and applied it to everything that you are doing. Most of us have just applied it Sunday mornings from 11 to 12.15 or Monday morning from 7 to 7.15 when I'm reading the scripture or just when I pray. That's when faith is applied. But there are no dividing walls in the heart of God. There is, God does not stop paying attention to you when you go to work and start paying attention to you when you pick up your Bible. He doesn't start paying attention to you when you come to church and stop paying attention to you when you leave. There are no dividing walls towards you in the mind of God. So there should not be any dividing walls in our minds towards God. It's all connected. And it says that you were his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So if you're like, what am I here for? What does God want out of me? God wants good works from you. He doesn't want you to be salt that has lost its taste and therefore has no purpose. He's given you a purpose and those purpose are good works, which God prepared ahead of time. So this is not a series about signing up for a bunch of new stuff. We don't have some need or some initiative that we're getting ready to unroll next week and we're gonna need 50 volunteers, 100 volunteers. This is not about anything that's new. In fact, what we're talking about today is very, very, very old. What we're talking about today is older than the sun and it's older than the moon. It's older than the stars and it's more ancient than the foundations of the earth because before God created the sun and the moon to mark time by, he created your schedule of good works. So this is not about signing up for something new and getting connected with this new thing God is doing. He has already scheduled out your appointments for good works. He's already got them booked. You're gonna leave today and you're gonna show back up next week. Why? Because the rhythm of church is gathering and scattering and we're gonna scatter and then we're gonna gather together again next Sunday. And in between, he will have scheduled out for you some good works for you to do. Good works at work. Good works in your home. Good works in your neighborhood. Good works in your old friendship. He's got it scheduled out. This is not about signing up and adding new things, just figuring out, God, what do you have for me? Before the earth was created, what did you want me to do? I want to do it. I don't know if any of you have been to our new space that we have over off Long Point in the Heart of Spring Branch, but we call it the third space because this is our first space and I don't know what our second space is, but this is our third space. And, and uh, we had core night there and we have community group events there. And some of you have had meetings there and our youth ministry meets there. And it's very cool and hip space. It's, it's right off Long Point. And the first time that I saw it, we were well into the uh, getting it done. And uh, somebody from the Spring Branch area just has a heart for nonprofits and ministries. And he's given it to us for this amazing deal that you could not find on the open market. And, and so the first time that I went, I noticed there was a Whataburger. Just literally, you can look out our window into the parking lot of the Whataburger. You know, that was the first meal that I ever ate in Houston, Texas was at that Whataburger. And I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. And every summer, 
when I was a teenager, we would come down here to do ministry to Houstonians because you guys need so much help. And all the, all the saints up in Missouri, we just got a collection of saints up there and just God sends them out from the center of the world. And, and the first place that I ever went, I was 16 years old and I'd never been on a trip before. I'd never done really any ministry before. And I got on a church van and drove from Springfield, Missouri, 12 hours to Houston, Texas. And the first place that we stopped was at that Whataburger. The first time that I ever shared my faith, the first time that I ever had an intentional conversation about Jesus with somebody was in an apartment complex, literally just right across the street from what is now Bayou City Fellowship's third uh, space. And I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds that one day I would be a pastor of a church that have a, a building that looked out on the first food that I ever had? And he said, what are the odds? Well, the odds are great because he created that good work and this good work before he created the world. And so he's ordered it all together. And your life is not an accident this week. It's not just whatever happens. Your, uh, your calendar has already been scheduled. Yeah. And who you're having coffee with and what you have to do may shift and change, but God has some good work already scheduled out for you. And it says that that good work is, and we were created for that good work in Christ Jesus. So whenever you do that good work, whether that good work takes place at work or at home or in your neighborhood or among the poor, whatever it is, it's in Christ Jesus. So that when you do it, Jesus is what's seen. And he said the harvest for his kingdom is plentiful. So you start doing your good work. God will start bringing in the harvest. It's as simple as that. And that's what this series is all about. What field is your good work going to happen in? What industry, what lane, what avenue, what neighborhood has he already scheduled out for you?